Welcome to Mental Millennials with your host, Shelby Friesen. Do I get to introduce the episode? Fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, welcome back. <laughs> Hello, we got Bobby here. <laughs> okay, we're back again. <laughs> Jamie's like his usual laugh. We're back uh, again with client Shelby Friesen. <laughs> he has diabetes and super bad anxiety. And he's going to tell us his story. Please oh. go. <laughs> so we're going to reverse the roles today a little bit. I was going to do this episode alone, but thought that it'd probably be super boring. And <laughs> me sitting here talking by myself. And Jamie's also been there for like my entire journey of thinking I'm dying. So he'll be able to pipe in with some of his stories uh, with it as well. So I guess I'm going to start where everybody else does with when I first realized what was happening and then can kind of go back and see what I was dealing with, I guess. Yeah. And I think the first, the first time I, I was probably like 19 and I was realizing I was having anxiety mainly because I think the drinking picked up a lot then. And the first panic attack I ever had, I remember was in town hall. We were there like hungover and I mean, nothing was out of the ordinary. You were just getting breakfast and it just felt like the whole place started like collapsing in on me and I just had to leave. I was like, fuck, I can't sit here. Like, this is crazy. And it, and it was kind of just like, I don't really know how to explain it, but I just left, had, had to go sit outside and I just waited outside until everyone was done. I was like, I don't even care. Like, I can't go back in there. And then it kind of actually lasted like all day. I just didn't want to be touched or anything. I just went home and just laid there like by myself. And I was just like, it was odd. But that was the first time I had fully kind of experienced it. I mean, yeah, like I guess so. Yeah, the first time realizing would have been when I was drinking on 19. But then like when I started to realize what was going on, and looking back through my life, it really was like happening all the time from from a young age. Like looking back, as far as I can remember, I had those feelings. It didn't matter. It didn't really matter what I was doing. Uh, and it would have started with family and the scenarios that we had with uh, our parents split up when we were two or I was two. No, I was two. No, I was two. Dude, I wouldn't have been born. <laughs> I was two. You were four or five. Okay, yeah. You're <laughs> <laughs> really switch switching roles here. It just kind of made a different like vibe in the family. It was three. We ended up living with our dad. So it's just three dudes in this house. And it brought a lot of like fighting testosterone. And like it just wasn't. Yeah, there's no feminine energy in the house. It wasn't a super comforting place all the time. And then going to see my mom was always such a hard thing for me. And I don't really, I honestly don't know why to this day. And that's something I sort of want to dig into because I never really understood it. Um, I remember you would tell me, you're like, it's, it's your mom. You have to go see her and all this shit. And like, I knew that, but for some reason it was just so hard to do it. And every time I would go it would kind of be fine for the day. And then when it came to going to sleep, I would just have an attack and like, I couldn't sleep. I'd have a little panic attack, freak out. It got to the point where I would call my dad and he wouldn't pick me up. He's like, no, I told you if you go, you have to sleep over. And I'm like, fuck this. Like, I'm going to die. 
So I would call my grandma or grandpa and they would pick me up. And this happened like as long as I can remember through, through our childhood. And like, those were brutal feelings of anxiety and panic, which at the time I just had no idea what it was. And it just kept building from there. And the kind of family scenario, I think not making me feel super safe just escalated as I went through the school system. Um, like I remember the first day I went to kindergarten, um, or it might've been grade one. I don't know, but Dwayne dropped me off. And I remember I was every kids in the class and they're just like having a nice day, like excited (laughs) to hang out with all the other kids. And I am outside fucking screaming. <laughs> and Dwayne's like trying to leave for work. I'm all the time like, no. And, and, the, and then the teacher's at the door and they're like both trying to like, she's trying to pull me in and he's trying to pull me away. And like, I was so scared to go into this class and like everyone else just wanted to hang out and have fun. Like, I'm thinking I'm going to go in there and die. Well, it's the same with almost anything. Like, I remember our parents used to try to put us in, like, camp, like, kids' camp. Fuck, I hated and, that. Oh, man, me too. Like, all these all these other kids are enjoying it. I remember you and I are just like, Jesus, fuck. Like, they're trying to do this again to us and blah, blah. Like, leaving us anywhere we didn't want to be or around anyone we didn't know or whatever mm-hmm. was a big deal. <laughs> yeah, I think I just, per- like, the way I perceived people was different. Like, I didn't think people were fun and, like, I don't know, I just wasn't excited to to play with other kids and have fun with them. I thought they were just going to try and hurt me most of the time <laughs> or whatever. Right. Cause we did spend a lot of time at home fighting. I mean, we hadn't, I don't even know. We oh, put, that's all we would do. I remember times at home where I would have like a milk jug, like a full thing of milk and you'd have a hockey stick and we're like chasing <laughs> each other around. I'm like the hell is going on? Like shit would get wild. So I was always looking over my back expecting, I don't know, the worst yeah happen. Like, i was talking to connor about it and like the whole living situation at Dwayne's when we were younger and he described it as a war zone like it, when oh, friends yeah. coming over like dude it was always you're always being attacked constantly <laughs> even yeah. i mean it, most of it was in like a, a lot of it was like in a joking manner yeah but like also when we were younger yeah no we did not like each other we fucking hated each other we mm-hmm. just like run around and scream and beat the shit out of each other <laughs> yeah <clears throat> blow so, shit up so that went on yeah, I mean, I think the only time we got along is when we were, like, collaboratively ruining something else. <laughs> you know, like, we, we weren't friends unless we were like, yeah, let's fucking light this thing on fire together. <laughs> and, like, we would do that. But if it, if it wasn't, like, destroying something, it was, like, destroying something else one of another had or whatever. Yeah. So that kind of went on through school. And even, like, like elementary school, too. Like, like what was the those sports day fuck i hated sports day like i would just like (laughs) i had like i don't want to play sports with these other kids and shit like it just sucked and then going into high school also i guess another the thing that was big for me too was diet and from a young age i ate nothing but sugar i I did eat a lot of fruit but that's because it would have been sweet um (laughs) but the sugar addiction like that's the other thing as long as i can remember that's like all I wanted to eat ever. I, when we would go to our cabin in a Soyuz, we would do anything to find change. And just there was a corner store close. We'd ride to the corner store every single day. I'd eat like a dollar or two dollar bag worth of candy. And then even at home in Langley here, we had a corner store right at the end of the road. We would go there like daily. And then Crowsberry Farms opened up. So like when we got into high school, after high school, I would get off the bus 
Well, at school, they had vending machines. So I'd eat like a couple chocolate bars and one of those chocolate milks. They had the milk to go machine. And then I would get off the bus at, it dropped us off at the corner store. I would get another chocolate bar and like probably another energy drink or some bullshit, go home, steal change from our dad had these ice cream buckets of like change under his uh, nightstands in his room. We would sift through there and steal change and then ride our bikes to Crowsberry and get a milkshake. And then at night we would have milk and cookies or some sort of shit. So there was like, and this went on for like literally years. Like that's all, all I, and, and high school, it just progressively got worse due to like the freedom of being able to eat whatever the hell I wanted to. I think, and I mean, in high school too, I remember a lot of, I was really, I, I don't know. I was just scared of people still. Um, and I don't really know, like I had, a, it's not like I didn't have friends. It's weird because I had friends and like, you know, I was friends with a lot of different friend groups, but I just remember it's like, I would go into school and I would always be so scared to like talk or say something or that somebody was going to like approach me and that I wouldn't know what to say. I think it was maybe just fear of, of embarrassment or something, but it was just a constant thought that I was just, I was never just comfortable, like. I don't know, just saying hi to someone or anything. It was just simple shit, which was weird. But that's maybe where some humor ties into it again is like I was usually known as being funny um, because if I was ever laughing or like making people laugh, I mean, if you're making somebody laugh, you're generally laughing as well. And that was like one of the only times I would overcome all those feelings. Like if you're laughing, all that worry, anxiety, everything is just gone. Um, So I think that that helped me, but I don't know. Also was really nervous having to try and make that happen after high. Well, and I didn't even really start partying until I think great. I don't think I even drank until grade 12 would have been my first, my first drink grade 12. I would, I gone to, went to grad parties, partied. And then after high school, I moved to Whistler and Pemberton. Mm-hmm. And that's when that's when I really started to drink and also the food and everything just got worse then as well. So it was just so, I don't know, it just seemed normal and you turn 19 and you think that drinking is super cool. And when you see, um, you know, your other family members or parents or older people doing it, it's just like, I don't know, just seems like it's a a part of society really. Yeah. It's just made out to be such a normal thing now. And so I joined in and like we would, I don't know how the hell I did it, but we would like work. I would usually work like longer hours up there because I was in fucking Pemberton. I didn't have like any friends up there that I hung out with until I came home on the weekend. So I usually go to work after work. They had a beer machine at the shop. I would have, I would have a couple there and then we would go to the liquor store, grab like a 24 pack and we'd probably drink a 20. My uncle and I would share one every like two days we'd probably go through and at home and i just thought it was so cool like we'd get hammered sit in the hot tub (laughs) drink beers get up at six and just do it all over again and the and eating up there as well i would have like every morning i'd go to the cafe get a big cinnamon bun and like a mocha and i was always just like chasing Cause you get such bad highs and lows when you, when you eat like that, you get the sugar rush in the morning. I'm ready to go. Then 10 o'clock hits. I'm just crashing. Then we'd go for lunch. I'd get more sugary shit. And the drinking, 
really adds to that because it gives you the same feeling as the sugar and it, it reacts the same way in your body. You also get drunk, but um, <laughs> it, it gives you the same thing. So it just like slowly exponentially makes things worse. I also started, we started going to like festivals and, and partying and, and doing um, drugs, one being MDMA and Molly and that like, I think that's what's really started to trigger my panic attacks is when you would, I would go to like a festival for three days. You'd ha- I'd be having like a panic attack straight for three days after. And it would feel so brutal. I, I remember waking up one morning after being a center of gravity and there was a water bottle on the counter. And like when people do the drugs at festivals, they put them like in the water bottle. And I woke up and I was so thirsty. I like just chugged this water bottle and I started freaking out because then after it clicked, I was like, what if someone had drugs or something in that? And it freaked me out so bad. I literally, I thought I was just sitting there for like two hours shaking, thinking that it's going to hit me and I'm going to like get high again. And it was just, it would freak me out. I would get weird stuff like that all the time where like, I would almost start to get PTSD of like events that had happened. So like, cause you would drink it out of a water bottle. Then like anytime I seen a water bottle after that, I would always like, if it wasn't sealed, I wouldn't drink out of it because I thought that it might have something in it or if it, even if I had one that was sealed and I opened it, say I like put it down somewhere and I, and like it left my eyesight, I wouldn't drink it. I would have to like pour it out and refill it from like a fountain or something. I would even get to the point where like, if I was refilling it from a fountain, I was like, what if someone put drugs in the fucking fountain? <laughs> like I would get like so weirded out by this stuff. Yeah, I guess. And things just progressively got a little bit worse. And I, at this point I really started to realize it was kind of an, an issue. It was the first time I talked to anybody about it. I don't think I ever went to a doctor at this point. I was probably 19 or 20. One of my ex-girlfriend's friends, she had it and we would briefly talk about anxiety and what came up would be working out. So I started running and doing things, but it was just enough to counter to like go out again. So I would like go out all weekend and party. I'd like go for a run a couple times during the week and be like, oh, fuck yeah, like I'm good to go. This is all you have to do is just like run and then party and then run. <laughs> so it was like just enough to get myself back on track for Friday to get fucked up again. That went on for a while. And like when I would talk to people, I would talk to a few more people and they're like, yeah, like, you know, you got to exercise and this kind of shit. And that was pretty much it. So it was just exercise. No one, I was still eating terrible. I was just adding a tiny bit of exercise in and still drinking all the time. And that went on for, I'd say probably like a year. I'd say that probably went on for like two years. And then in my early twenties, when I split up with my girlfriend, that was like, I basically partied and ran and worked out and just recycled all that shit for like a few years. And then after I was single for a bit and decided to start my own business. And this is when I remember the food and the habits and everything getting exponentially worse where we would just work all the time. And that was like the stresses and stuff. I would work like we would just pretty much get up at work all day until we had to go to bed. But the food, I would literally, I remember going at lunch to get like, I would buy just cheesecake for lunch because that's how bad the lows were getting that I would just crave it so much. And and I would always want like cheesecake or br- like breads. 
I guess really just anything that would give me the same effect, breads, drinking, and I would. that's pretty much all I would eat, a lot of pasta, because it would give me that same sugar effect. Or And I had a lot of caffeine at this time too. We would. I remember some nights we would be working at our dad's house, just like on our computers doing whatever, and we would just sit there with like a pot of tea. We would just drink that Earl's Tetley tea stuff for hours, and we would do that every night just to stay up until like 11 or 12 and then go to bed. And then just do the same shit again. But we get up early, you know, get up at six. You're only working, you're only sleeping for six hours a day. That just slowly built for a long time. Oh, we bought a house. So after we bought the house, that buying the house and the business, the no money, the drinking, the food, it was just like everything just kept adding up. And like, as I was going through this, it's hard to explain because... I don't really remember knowing that much. Like it bothered me, but it wasn't enough that it was really forcing me to do anything major. I think I was just getting so used to how it felt. I hadn't realized how bad it had gotten in like, I mean, well, obviously like my entire life, but it was really hard for me to tell what was going on. Like I knew I didn't feel good. I just didn't. I don't even know how to explain it. I didn't know enough, I guess, because there would be days I'd be hung over and we would be doing rentals or things on the house. And I don't even know, like looking back on it now, I don't know how I even got out of bed or how I was alive. Like we would have an excavator over digging some trees out and I'd be standing there with a shovel, like just feeling like I'm going to pass out. Like there was no life left in me. And I don't know how I kept going for so long. I think it shows how strong the body is Mm -hmm. really putting yourself through that kind of stuff. I mean, again, it just gave more freedom to like the eating and and stuff. Like I guess it got to the point too, where with the business, we looked at like when we were at home, there was home cooked meals where, you know, it wasn't always in my opinion, the healthiest meals, but there at least every single night I had a home cooked meal that was on the table. But when I moved out and we had our place, I never made a single meal. We ate every single meal out and I would eat like, you know, you'd stop and get Subway or even if you went to a restaurant like Earl's or something, I was always eating out at these random restaurants. And I think that added a lot to it as well. The day that it hit me, the it was my birthday weekend in like 20, I don't know, probably 2015 or 14. No, I don't know, 13 or 14. And I drank three days in a row. Like my son, when I would get hung over at this point, I'd be drinking for so long that like, it would almost feel like my brain was just numb. I'd kind of wake up. I'd kind of like float through the day and have panic attacks and think I'm going to die. But if I got through that day, then I would wake up the next day and be fine. I kind of just rolled with that for a long time and just thought I was having really bad hangovers. And this week, that weekend that it happened... We ended up going out in Roosters because it was a long weekend. It was like the Sunday night. I actually didn't feel bad during the night. Like it felt good and I was part, it was all good. And then I got a ride home and I woke up in the morning and I just never felt like that before. And I don't know, I've always had a really hard time explaining it, but it literally felt like like my brain was just gone. Like I was sitting that night too, my parents had, um, organized a birthday dinner and they're like going to go over and, you know, have dinner with the family for your birthday. And I had to tell my dad I couldn't come. 
because I just, I couldn't even, I didn't even know what to do. I couldn't talk. I couldn't, I could talk, but like, I just couldn't think or comprehend anything. I remember just sitting there because when I'm normally was hungover, I would just watch a movie and chill and like, I don't know, the, the, just watching the movie just helped me get my mind off dying or whatever I was thinking. And I couldn't even think like I couldn't even, I don't know. I couldn't feel anything. Like I'd watch a comedy movie, couldn't laugh, couldn't do anything. You watch like a drama rom-com. I didn't feel sad. I just felt like I wasn't even there. I kind of just let it go for a while. I just thought at this time, like, okay, I'll just get through today. It'll be like every other time I'll wake up tomorrow and I'll be fine. And that just never happened. Three months went by. I didn't know what the fuck was going on. Like I couldn't get to, I couldn't work. I literally, I could barely eat. I couldn't do anything. And at this point, it's when I went to see my doctor. I'd never talked to my doctor about anxiety or this is a normal doctor like a traditional yeah this is our family doctor so i'd never talked to like anybody who was a practitioner or anything but before this i went there and i was like okay man i'm fucking dying like i'm fucked i don't know what's going on and like some of the things i was having were i couldn't stay hydrated like as much as much water as i drank or i would just always like pee like pure yellow and it would like burn and i it was just like it was going right through me it didn't matter and the same thing with food, it, like I couldn't, anything I ate, it just went right through me. Like it wasn't absorbing anything. It pretty much had got to the point where like I'd put my body through so much shit that it, that it, I mean, it just started shutting down. It wasn't doing anything it was supposed to do anymore. I feel like I just put it into like full shock mode. So I went to him. I'm like, man, like this is what's happening. I don't know what the fuck's going on my brain's fucked and I'm like trying to explain the heart. I could still to this day, I I almost feel like stupid when I have to explain how I felt because I don't even know. I can't explain it. It's like an impossible thing to explain. And I would go into the dark and be like, yeah, like my, like it feels like my brain's gone. And they're like, well, what the (laughs) fuck does that mean? I'm like, well, man, I don't know. That's the problem. Like I'm so fucked. And he's like, okay, we'll just take some of this out of end and, you'll, you'll be good. Just take that. And I'm like, dude, I fucking know what this is. So I leave, I get the bottle. I was way too scared to take it. So I never took it because I knew I was like, man, like, okay, fine. Like I get it. I feel fucked up right now. This will help me feel calm. But then the second that it wears off, then what? I just take another one. Like, how is that even doing anything Mm -hmm. right off the bat? Like I wasn't open to trying any of that stuff. So I would just get them and throw them in the garbage. And then I'd sit there for another three weeks and die in bed. Like I remember just literally laying in bed every day, like getting up to get a glass of water or anything just seemed insane. Like my body had never felt so weak. It's like I could barely even lift myself up or like out of bed or to move. So I would go see, I went to see him again, I think probably a few, like a, I think I saw him like once every couple weeks for like three months. I'd go back. Same thing. He's like, man, you should maybe like try and get some exercise. I'm like, dude, like I'm so fucking dead. Like I can't exercise. There's no way I try. I remember trying, I would get up and I would walk like our house was in the middle of a block pretty much sort of like, I think that's still a block that way, but sort of in the middle. And for me to like leave the house and walk to the, the stop sign literally just thought I was going to die the whole way. I'm like going there. I'm like, I'm going to have a fucking heart attack. I can't do it. It seemed like it seemed so insane to be able to, 
to go there. Like I became so secluded to my room also that it's like, that was the only place where I kind of felt, I don't know, maybe safe or calm or comfortable. Like going outside of my house was, was a really hard thing to do. But at that time too, I also remember that you were like, would fucking basically have to drag me out of the room sometimes. Or like we go for a walk or whatever, or even going to the doctor. I couldn't drive myself there. You would have to take me <laughs> all the time. Cause I was way out. Like the panic attacks were so bad. Like it's like my brain was just going insane and I couldn't like, there's no way I could drive. It was hard enough for me to just get in the passenger seat. Yeah, you mentioned even about the house and about like the stressors you were going through. You, you mentioned the house, but just so people know, like we bought this house and it definitely wasn't the easiest of times. Like it was, it was super stressful. We at times we had eight people living in the same fucking house. Mm-hmm. It was an older house. We were renovating it all the time. There was always shit going wrong with it. Like full on, you know, the whole bottom of the house, all their water would back up or half the yard would be dug up or we'd be getting flooded or like, yeah, it was always like really, really stressful and a lot of work. And also between Shelby and I, a lot of stress because we were trying to renovate. So like Mm -hmm. trying to like balance everything fairly was also like a big, Mm -hmm. a big thing. So yeah, that's, um, yeah, the house definitely put put stress on you too. Yeah. And and, because we had different jobs at the time at that time you were working like a desk I was working software like an online job and I was still working um like physically in the shop on cars and stuff so I would work for 10 hours at the shop and then come home and he's like yeah let's go do some yard work and I'm like dude fuck I've been doing <laughs> physical shit all day so then I'd try and drag myself out there and do that and I'd be so fucking beat then I would just drink coffee and shit all night to like do more to do more work and then uh, yeah, pretty much go to bed and do the same thing. And then weekends we would generally spend working on the house as well. Slash getting hammered every night. <laughs> yeah. For a lot of them. Also like, I mean, it was a pretty, it was a money thing for me then too. I was super stressed out about money because I didn't have a lot. Like I was kind of just getting by with, with ride and I didn't have a lot of money to put the house was needing money. And I, I understood that we're adding value to the house by what we were doing and, and, and things, but it was also felt like it was trapping me. Cause I was just thinking like, okay, when am I going to even see, see a return on this? Like, cool. It's adding value, but like, this is shit. Like I didn't enjoy it at all. You're t- yeah. About the hospital stuff you're talking about. Oh yeah. We, ba- <laughs> Fuck. Oh God. So- <laughs> it, it was like, it was, it got to the point where, yeah, like I w- it was from October till the end of that year that was just basically like a solid three months, four months of extreme panic and like constantly thinking I was pretty much dead. You, you always thought that you would be having a heart attack. Yeah, I always thought I was having like heart attacks, stroke. What else? If anyone ever made toast in the house, Shelby come out of his room freaking out. Dude, I still get that. <laughs> I don't like freak out about it, but when I was we were I was living with Kevin a couple months, well, for like the past year, I would like come, I'd be standing there and I'd be like, like start smelling something. I'm like <laughs> looking around, I'm like, what the fuck? I was like, what is this? I'm like, dude, are you burning something? He's like, dude, I'm making toast. I'm like, holy fuck, man. I was like, I thought I was having a jammer again, but like now I'm like really aware of it right away and it doesn't trigger me and send me into a freak out. But then it was like, yeah, someone made toast. I'm like, holy fuck. And like, or I would be driving and I had an old truck and the door seal was 
like not sealed and uh it would like send wind on my legs and my legs are hairy so it would make me feel like i couldn't feel my leg and i'd be freaking out thinking like fuck i'm having a stroke like <laughs> and i'm like is that even a thing from a stroke but like i don't know i would get that all the time or the time I had to drive you to the hospital because your beard was tickling your face. Yeah, like my facial <laughs> is probably like how yours is right now. And like, it's just enough where it starts to get itchy. And I'm like, dude, like I'm having a stroke. I can't feel my face. And I'm like freaking out. And like, I remember that day. Oh, uh, I don't even, I, I think it was the heart attack issues or what you thought was going to be a heart attack. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think I legitimately took you to the hospital six times in one day. And I think it was either after the fifth or sixth time you came back and then like half an hour later you're laying in your bed and I'm out like in the living room watching a movie or something. And you're like, Jamie, (laughs) I think I was just feeling my beard. It was just tickling my face. Like I get it now. I'm like, holy fuck. And I've just been interrupted every hour to drive him to the fucking hospital and waiting there. And And I mean, I'm trying to be a good brother and shit. Yeah. So I'm just like, okay, like he's going through shit. Get in the fucking car. Let's go again. And then <laughs> after the fifth or sixth time, I actually just couldn't even handle it. I'm just like, okay, clearly this isn't the solution. Like I'm like, I was, I was, I was either <laughs> going to have to like slap you out of it or something or, and then I ended up just texting our friend Janine and just being like, look, can you fucking take him now? Because like, I'm. I'm done. I can't, I can't fucking, I can't go a seventh. Man, like, and I would go into the hospital and I'd be like, okay, like I'm having a fucking heart attack. Like I'm literally dying. You need to check me right now. And like, when you say that, they do take it seriously. And, but not on the seventh time. No, no, but they get me in there and they get put the heart shit on me and they're like, and I'm like, fuck. I was like, yep, this is it. I'm going to know I'm getting, <laughs> I'm fucking it. dying. It. And then like they do the test, like you're fine. I'm like, I'm not fucking fine. I'm like, do it again. I'm like, I know, I know what's wrong. And like, what was weird about it is I so badly wanted them to tell me that I had one or was having one. Like I wasn't going there, you know, I wasn't like scared that like I wanted that to be the truth because I, it, it was such an unknown time. And like, that's what a panic attack is. You don't know like why you're having it. And that's what made it hard is like, I was having them so much. I just wanted a fucking answer. I was like, if I'm having goddamn heart attacks, like let's just get it over with. <laughs> and like, that's what, what it got to. So then what, how did it get worse or did you start climbing out of it from there? It got to the point where, I forget when I made the realization I was going to try something else. I had done a bunch of tests through the doctors too. Like the doctor, I did my diabetes test through the doctor. Basically like I I kept coming in and he's like, okay, fuck, like let's do some tests. Does a blood test. Everything comes back fine. He's like, dude, you're fine. And I'm like, man, how the fuck am I fine? And he's like, okay, well, you know, like that's a big problem with diabetes, not being able to stay hydrated, all this kind of shit. I'm like, okay, let's do the test. So we do it. He's like, yeah, like it's probably you know, like you probably have that. And I'm like, okay, fuck. So like, I'm thinking like diabetes, I come home and I tell Jamie and our friend, Tim, who was living there. I'm like, man, like the doctor thinks I have diabetes and they just burst <laughs> out laughing. They're like, bro, we've been fucking telling you this forever. It's cause all at this stage, he was in his cheesecake phase. So he was still just like, <laughs> Tim and I would just look at him and he'd just be eating fucking cheesecake <laughs> for dinner every day. Well, the, the, and the thing about the food too, for me was, Oh, and we used to go for, dude, we used to go for dessert. Like you would always just be like, okay, like 
We're going for treats tonight. You do like Menchies, Every night, cheesecake, man. Dairy Queen, just like anything that was sweet. Oh, yeah. And yeah, we go to Wendell's a lot and just sit there and just mal like a cake. I would get like two desserts. I'd get a peanut butter cake to go and like all this shit. Growing up and like through all of that, what people told me about food was that they'd see what I'm eating. They'd, A, they'd say I'm going to get fat eventually, or B, they'd say I'm going to get diabetes. That was about the two things I only ever heard. And you were far from fat. Yeah, I've always been (laughs) thin no matter what. Like I've ate really shitty for 20 years and I've ate good now and my body hasn't really changed. So in my mind, I was always like, okay, I'm not fat and I don't have diabetes yet. I'm fucking healthy. (laughs) And that's literally what I thought, right? And that's honestly probably like it's easy to think that way and a lot of people do. and they They don't apply food at all to mental health or... I, or like what is actually internally going on in their body, their real health. No, like I literally had zero information about anything in the body, anything about food. For me to think that food would make a difference, I would have just laughed and told somebody they were fucked. Like I remember <laughs> even the first time that, because Connor was the first one to do the vegan vegetarian thing like way back. Yeah. And then you were doing it a little bit then too. I started as a test. And, yeah, I, just, and I think that was even when we were living at home. Mm-hmm. I just remember like, looking and being like what a fucking idiot I'm like who, I'm like who the fuck would eat that it doesn't even matter it just looks like shit compared to like what, whatever else we were eating and I never cared and even in my mind one of our friends brothers had diabetes mm-hmm. and I'd see him and whatever you fucking prick your finger and do a little thing and it's like either you have to like take a little bit of insulin or if your sugars are low you just, just eat some chocolate some bars insulin. man I'm like okay whatever you have diabetes sugar's low just eat more candy so, so I, I was like, so not, I just didn't give a fuck. I was like, I don't care. Like I could gain weight and if I get di- diabetes, worst case, tons of people have it. And then I can eat more candy. Yeah. I like honestly didn't bother me. I was like, fuck, I don't care. So that, that's kind of like why I kept down the same path of food. It just was never linked. And every time I went to the doctor, he didn't say shit about food. They don't say anything. They get no training on that. I kind of like did a few, I did those couple tests through the doctor and then just not, there was nothing. Like it wasn't getting any better. It got to the point where I was eating, I, I would eat like maybe a bowl of soup in like a week. Like I couldn't eat shit. I was just laying there. It was coming up to Christmas. And I I remember one day I was just laying in bed and I was so, it just, it literally felt like my, it felt like I was dead, but like I wasn't. I, I don't know. I kind of finally just almost accepted that like, I'm just going to die. Like, I didn't know what else was going to happen. I was laying there and I f- I've just never felt like I can't even explain how weak I was. Like, not body was so sore, too. Like, it was insanely sore, insanely weak. My brain was going insane. And I was just laying there like, fuck, man, I think this is it. And uh, that's kind of when it all changed, fe- feeling that and kind of realizing, you know, I had a lot of time to just lay there. And think about what the fuck could be going on too. I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't going to work. I was just like laying there trying to stay alive. Finally, I decided I needed to try something else um, on that day. So I pushed through Christmas because all the like practitioners were closed. And I went to start. And that year I started seeing a natural path. And the first time going in there, explaining my story and what's been going on, it was pro- I think I was probably there for like two hours. And leaving there, I had got more information from that than I had from a doctor like my entire life. 
he's like, okay, well, we got to figure out your food and all this shit. And I'm like, man, just like, and I didn't really believe in it at the time either. I'm like, okay, bro, like what? I'm just going to eat some fucking stop eating chicken and I'm just going to be good. So it didn't. It's crazy to think back now that a lot of people are just, that's, they live their whole life thinking that. Yeah. and, And I think that's something that is sad to me is I'm like, I look back and I'm like, fuck, like some people, mine was an extreme case. I not an extreme. Well, I think because I added like more extremes to it. Like if I wouldn't of, you know, being in like crazy stress situations from finance, business and stuff, how long would I have lived in that same kind of fucked up state for? It could have been your whole life and people are in that right now. And I, yeah, I do. I think that's the saddest part actually. Like I, I mean, I can't speak for you, but I consider myself a lucky one. And mm-hmm. people who have a realization like you had mm-hmm. as to be lucky, like, yeah, maybe it was more severe, but that severeness pushed you to find something else and try something else. Whereas other people, it's so mediocre. They just keep, I mean, not to say it's not hard, but you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's just like at this part where it never gets, it never pushes them. Mm-hmm. Um, to, to the point to, to really try something. So then they end up just mediocrely going through life, never really finding a solution. No. And that, yeah, I think that is the saddest predicament to be in because those people would never know they're even in it. No. And yeah, like I 100% wouldn't have done shit unless that happened, right? Like it just that one day that pushed me overboard. I'm happy that happened. If it didn't, I'd probably be still doing the same shit. Yeah, the new year I started seeing, so the natural path, and I just went through the rounds there, like doing all the tests, like anything I could do. We started with really small diet changes, and I remember, I think it was just like cutting dairy to start, which I thought was the craziest thing at the time. I was like, what the hell am I supposed to drink? Like, what if I want to have cereal? <laughs> and I'd just be like, okay, like, I guess I'll try some almond milk, and like, I thought it was weird, and like, it took a long time to make the changes. And I, and I understand now why they do it in small changes because it's pretty fucking tough for like, if you're used to eating a certain way and then just like, okay, you got to drop all this stuff and try and change it around it. It's, it's hard. So I slowly started doing that. We dropped dairy and then I just keep going back and we would change a few more things. Well, I guess it's funny too, because that's kind of how Wendell's Wendell's is in Fort Langley. It's a little restaurant there and it's kind of a, we used to go there a lot for dessert and treats and that kind of shit. But then once I kind of transformed to my fucked up state, they had a menu that was gluten. Oh, that was the other one. Cut gluten. So I was, it was gluten-free, dairy-free, and they have a special menu that you can ask for, and they have these options. So it kind of like, it, it kind of helped put me into my state, but it helped me get out of it a lot too. I, I ate there probably almost one or two meals a day after I'd started seeing the natural path because I couldn't really cook. Like I tried to cook sometimes, but I was just so fucked up. I was like, I would just buy food cause it was easier. I ate there a lot. And then the natural path told me I had this candida thing. And oh, I remember that yeah, diet, the yeah. potato diet. <laughs> I wasn't even allowed <laughs> potatoes and they called it the potato diet, but it's be from all the sugar and everything. I built up this, you know, your gut bacteria and everything just gets fucked from that. So he's like, yeah, so basically we'll do the candida diet. I'm like, all right, sweet. What's that? It's literally like 
soggy veggies for three months and you can't have <laughs> anything even with natural sugars there was no berries no fruit no, no potatoes yeah no potatoes like no yams it was literally just like slow cooked like i would just eat like cabbage and broccoli and veggies and then i would have like in a smoothie i couldn't even have a banana like my smoothies would be like the mixed green spinach almond uh milk and then I think like a little bit, oh, I would do peanut butter and a little bit of um that like cocoa powder. Mm-hmm. And they were like so fucking plain and gross. Like, and at the time too, like I couldn't, eating that shit was terrible. And I ate it for three months. And then after the three months, he's like, you can go back and, and you know, we can reintroduce fruit and other things. I'm like, okay. So I did it. And after those three months, I had a strawberry for the first time and like, I've never tasted anything that was so good. (laughs) Like I've been so used to eating the sweet stuff. It just killed everything. And then like, it was the best thing ever. Like even just being able to put a banana in your smoothie again, that's like, I don't know. People just take that shit for granted. But that's what I'm going to ask right now is that like to us now, like from my perspective, it's that, that's kind of like a no brainer, almost like an easier thing to do. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, sick. Let's try a diet for a little while. Mm-hmm. But at the time, and for, for some people listening and a lot of people out there, that's, that's like almost unfathomable. Yeah. Like I know a lot of people who would right away just be like, that's fucked. Like there's no oh, yeah. way, like I couldn't live because mm-hmm. they, I don't know, either identify so much with what they're eating already or they're just so like attached to the, I don't know, just taste and sensory material side of life almost. Yeah. So like, what would you recommend on like getting through that for somebody that might not like, uh, like I, I, have, have that breakthrough that we were talking about where they come to that realization because they hit rock bottom. So what you're, it, you're saying some, if someone doesn't have that? Yeah. Like what? Because I mean, that's kind of what pushed you through it. So if someone doesn't have that, how might they like address some unfathomable change, like a diet change like that? See, I don't know. Um, I think about that a lot because, you know, the reason I did these things kind of like not really no questions asked, but it was from building resilience over the years from like the family situations and all that stuff. I was just like, I don't know. I was used to taking it into my own hands sort of and like just fucking doing it. And even when I did have to do the diet stuff, it was still hard. And like a lot of stuff that was going through my mind was like, why me? you know, like why does everybody else get to get hammered and everybody else can eat this food and everyone else eats pie after dinner. But like, why, why the fuck did I get fucked up from it? Mm-hmm. And that was hard for me. Um, and I hear that a lot. I hear people compare them to other, like compare themselves to other mm-hmm. people a lot, especially with diet. Be like, well, my grandpa ate like shit and smoked and drank beers for 120 years and he's fine. But like the other thing too is like how fine, like I can't imagine how those people feel, (laughs) right? I mean, like I did that for 20 and I felt like shit and like, yeah, sure. Like I probably could have, I mean, I sure could have have met in the middle a little bit and like ate better and worked out and still got hammered and like done that. But you just don't get that like kind of exponential healing, I guess. But for someone who hasn't had a breakthrough or like, I honestly don't know, like, for most people that I talk to or or work with sort of, they've had those. And it's really hard to get people who haven't to even do much. Like I've had people who reach out just saying, hey, like I have anxiety, blah, blah, you want to talk about it. And I'm like, 
yeah, like I'm down to meet up anytime. And then they just won't reply. And months will go by and they'll be like, hey man, like, sorry, like I still want to meet up and it'll take them, it'll take them months or even a year before they even just want to sit down and talk. And then that'll happen and I'll talk with them and then I'm like, okay, yeah, this is everything I went through. You know, it's like kind of a whole approach on your life. I, you know, diet's big. And then I can't imagine how long it might take them to even try eating differently. And I don't really, I honestly don't have any advice for it. Like, I think you, it's just, you either try it or you don't, I don't really know. I don't know how to make somebody try it. Um, yeah, I think that's the ultimate question, really. But from I, my perspective, it's kind of like, look at it. I, I like taking a really, really high level perspective. Like for one, we're on this floating rock floating through the universe yeah. with you know, a bunch of just random fucking inhabitants wandering around building stupid random shit that eventually one day is just going to collapse. Mm-hmm. And it's all just everything's like. I don't know. Everything's very temporary and everything, you know, your lifespan's super long. The lifespan of the earth is super long. So when you think about doing a diet for a month and testing it, it goes back to the Gandhi testing thing that we were talking yeah, yeah. about before too on the last episode. So yeah, if you take a really broad look and are able to, I mean, kind of mm-hmm. hard to do that for some people, but yeah, if you do that and think like, look, it's literally four weeks of my fucking life and I'm mm-hmm. going to have to live for a hundred years. Yeah. So, you know, I'm at age 20 or 30 or whatever age, and I'm going to have to live another 70, 80 years, possibly feeling like a mediocre bag of shit. Yeah. So like, just do the fucking four weeks. I, well, I think the other hard part about the food, it, it all just, I mean, the it all comes back to what you're led to believe through Western medical system is take a pill, you'll be good. It's for the food to make a change, it takes a long time, like True. like months. So you don't just try, like, I think just trying the diet for, two, like, if you have anxiety or something and you try this diet for two weeks, I don't think you're going to notice shit. Well, I think, I think it depends on the situation. Yeah. Like if you're like hardcore depressed and you like did a hardcore Gerson therapy diet for three weeks, you'd mm-hmm. see immediate changes. Yeah. But that's insanely extreme compared that, to diet yeah, change. Yeah. So I'm just using like, and that's, that's, that's why that, that, like, I think if you did Gerson for three weeks or four weeks, yes, you would notice. But I think if you just ate veggies for two weeks, I don't think you would. No, no. I, but I, another thing is like, look at where your food's coming from and just think about it logically. Like okay, you're eating this packaged shit. Like, where is that coming from? What's in that that's even good for you? So take a look at like, and and even in the past, you know, like people like to put historic, I don't even know what you call that, historic data and stuff about diets. Like, oh, like they ate this back in the day and that. Well, like back in the day, there was no packaged food. That wasn't a thing. If you were like in some native tribe or an Inuit or any of this shit, a couple hundred years ago, there wasn't any packaged food. You just ate what grew out of the ground or animals that ate what grew out of the ground. Mm-hmm. So eat that stuff. Like in my opinion, that's all that's you're supposed to eat. It just doesn't make sense to eat anything else. Like anything packaged, anything processed, anything that has anything and, and, synthetic in it, yeah, which nowadays anything refined is fucking yeah. It's it's explain ev- refined so people understand what that refined means. Refined is pretty much like something that <laughs> that I don't know if it has to be something that grows, but it's basically taking all the nutrients out of it, um, like so, oil. 
Uh, yeah, oils are refined. Um, white salt. L- like refined starches and stuff are, are bad. So say like white bread, the wheat, they take all of the nutrient out of it, right? It gets refined. They take the germ, all the shit out, and it's just left with the white crap. The nutrients are just everything else that they take out. Yeah, so like some people, I feel like a lot of people don't understand that because they're like, "Oh, it's made with it's made with this," but it's like, no, it's made with it's it, it's made with a refined version of that. So you're not getting any of the things no. you think you're getting. I mean, fuck, we could almost do a whole episode on this, but I'm think like it's the marketing behind the stuff too, right? So people then think then if people catch on, okay, refined shit, white bread's bad. So then you buy whole wheat bread. Because it has whole wheat. It's just a bunch of other, like, or you buy whole grain or multi-grain or whatever. It's just a bunch of other grains that have had the same shit done. That's <laughs> it. It's not like, it's better for you. So, like, pretty much, yeah, they're all, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to say they're all shit, but, like, they're pretty much, like, you you want to go to, like, a... I don't know. I mean, and even going to a local baker, how do you know they're just not using that same Robin's shitty white flour everybody buys in the store? Yeah. It, 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 it's hard to know. And I think especially growing up nowadays, the marketing is, is like insane. You really have to research the research. Look at what you're buying. If you are buying something in a box, I, I don't know. Like you've, you've just got to do your own research and, and figure it out. Cause like I'll go into the store and see like a bag of avocado chips saying like eat whole foods. And like, that's their marketing behind it. I'm like, bro, there's nothing in this that's good. And it's funny cause people actually think that's healthy. Like we were literally oh, do. at a Christmas thing and someone said that that was healthy. I was at a Christmas thing and a family member said that they had those veggie sticks. They're like green, orange, and yellow or something. And they look like, I don't even know. They look like those crinkle cut French fries. <laughs> And she, yeah, look, I got these chips, like they're healthy. I'm like, dude, there's nothing healthy in those. It's literally deep fried chemicals. Just because they have a picture of an avocado on the front of it. Yeah. So it, it's really tough to decipher. And like what I'm also seeing now, like when I go shopping, uh, there's younger, you know, kids and stuff working at the tills and all everything, nothing I buy has a label. I think the only thing I buy that has a label is like peanut butter or, or almond butter because it comes in the jar. Like a kid literally thought a green pepper was a potato. You're fucking me. No, man. That we that I, I go up and like I get it all the time. And she's like, that's a green pepper. Like, cause they'll always be kind of lady supervising, right? And I'm like, holy fuck. Like this kid literally thought it was a potato. And she's like, do you know what that is? She's like, oh, it's an avocado. I'm like, bro, <laughs> no, it's not. It's a fucking pepper. Like, and, and you know, it's not like it was something weird, like a rutabaga or like, I mean, even beets are weird to some people, you know, like some sort of weird root vegetable. It's like literally a pepper. Like you see those <laughs> everywhere. Like, so like on any salad you've gotten at a restaurant. Yeah, pretty much. And it, it just blows me away how, you know, people, and it's hard for me to compare now too, because I don't have TV. I don't see commercials for foods or things like that that come out. Whereas like when I, I, I was younger, I feel like we did get influenced by that stuff where like mm-hmm. you see all the ads and it's like the lucky charms and the frosted flake bullshit. Like we ate that stuff. Whereas now I don't really see the new commercials that are influencing kids, but I can imagine they're just only worse than they were when we were young. Yeah. I think we should do an episode on how to see through the bullshit and, and train on how businesses operate. Yeah. And there's a lot of like crazy stats that I've well not stats but like informational stuff that I've seen and like stuff I've watched or or learned where like back in the when the cigarette companies went under for the first time like I mean the cigarette company is kind of a prime example of something that's like blasted out there that's 
super cool and like healthy. And then four years later, everyone's fucking dying from it. And like, it's terrible for you. Mm -hmm. Um, Then those companies, they saw that coming and they went and bought all the biggest food manufacturing companies. They bought like, I forget what the name was, but they bought some of these massive companies and it's like, okay, so the people that created cigarettes and knew that they were getting fucked over finally after four years, now they're going to get into like processed foods. You think they give a fuck about what you're eating? So Mm -hmm. I think there's some crazy stuff like that where people don't realize who's behind these things and like people just don't give a fuck. They're just trying to make money. Yeah. A lot of it. So that was a tangent, but bringing that back to your story, we were talking about when you were going to the naturopath and, and we were talking about like doing unfathomable diets. Yeah. Seeming like insane. Yeah. So I just started making those changes really slowly and like, I don't know, I guess as a piece of advice, what would someone do for unfathomable diet? Do that, do a slow change. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, try, that's what I did, you know, start dropping dairy and just drink other milk alternatives and things like that. Um, it's, it, if you're like really against it in like an identity way, like mm-hmm. you were, for example, against yeah. like vegan stuff because we were raised on a very, very non yeah. vegan diet and like our family's super against all that stuff still, mm-hmm. there's no harm in testing it. Yeah. Just test it. Don't, don't tr- think like, Oh, I eat meat and now I'm going to be a vegan. Yeah. It's like, no, think I eat meat. I'm just going to try and eat some vegetables for a week yeah, and just see if my body likes it better. And if not, then I'm still a fucking meat eater. That way you don't have a fucking identity crisis. No. And I, and I feel like even people, well, I was out for dinner uh, probably a couple of months ago and we went to cactus club and there was a guy at the table that I didn't know. Like I met him obviously then, but we hadn't been friends prior to this and it was my two old friends and him and we go around the table and order food they order like whatever burger and tuna bowl. And I was like, Hey, can I just get like mashed potatoes with the seasonal veggies on top? And she, or well, actually it was his turn to order first. The guy didn't know. And he's like, no, I don't want to get any food. I'm like, okay, like that's weird. Like we all came for dinner, but whatever they order their shit. I was like, yeah, I'll just get mashed potatoes and veggies. And then she's like, okay, yeah, I can do that. And then he's like, he's like, yeah, actually I'll, I'll get the same thing. I'm like, why the fuck would this guy order that? Like, that's the weirdest fucking order ever, right? I'm like, kind of like, okay, like, why would you want that? And then that's why I asked him, like, man, like, are you like vegan or something or vegetarian? He's like, yeah, 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 I am. And I'm like, oh, so like, if I wasn't there and didn't order that, he probably would have never ordered that night. Yeah. Because he was worried what they were going to think or, or whatever else. So like, that was kind of funny for me to see in almost like the opposite sense, because he had sort of made the change. But then even once he did, he was still kind of like, Oh fuck, like what are people going to think about it? Yeah. And also now like it's easier than ever to make those changes. Like they're available at restaurants. Like it's a normal thing. Like when I was doing this 4 years ago, you can't go to fucking Earls or Cactus and get a veggie meal. Mm-hmm. Like they have those everywhere now. It's like almost a standard that most places do. Um and that wasn't a thing. Like that's just been coming up and even like vegan restaurants and vegetarian stuff and more like whole food and no added bullshit. Like there's probably three or four places in Langley now. There was zero mm-hmm. then. So stuff's coming up and it is becoming easier. It's just like be open to it, try it. So yeah, I, I slowly did those changes, did the candida diet. And then at this point I started feeling a little bit better, but it was insanely gradual. And I think it that's kind of what gave me the light at the end of the tunnel. It would be like the way I was looking at it, 
you know, like every day would be a couple steps forward. And then, then every other day, you know, a couple of days after would be another couple steps back. It was always like forward and backwards the way I was feeling, but the way I started to look at it wasn't day by day. I started to look at it more as like a monthly basis. Cause mm-hmm. if I was like, if I was attaching too much to my days, it was fucking brutal. Cause it was like, you'd have a couple of good ones and you'd be like feeling a little bit better than boom, it would hit you again. So looking at it on a monthly basis, I would gauge like how much better did I feel from the beginning of the month to the end. And that helped a lot because I knew I, would, I was getting like maybe five to 10% better each month. And that's not a lot. So that's the thing where like, I don't know, it's just a lot of work. Doesn't matter what you're doing, time. right? And like, it was hard for me at first. I'm like, holy fuck, like it's been a month and I feel like 5% better. This is insane. So I kept rolling with that. I just started doing other things on top of the natural path because I thought, I mean, I literally thought I was going insane and I would, my natural path only worked three days a week. And I always felt comfortable talking to him because it wasn't like a doctor where you go in there and it's five minutes. I would go and be like, hey man, like I'm not feeling good, blah, blah, blah. Like I'm freaking out all this shit. He'd be like, oh man, like it's all good. We'll just kind of do this and like all this stuff. I'm like, okay. And I would leave and I'd be feeling pretty good. And then I would like, it would come over again fast, but I felt really good while I was in there. And sometimes if I caught it on the wrong time, I'd like, wouldn't be able to see him for like four or five days. And those would feel so long. I was like, holy fuck. I'd be like sitting there like, I got to see him. I got to see him. I'd be like freaking out. So those would be hard. But then I started to see, I went to this neuro, because I don't know, like I, you said that I thought I had heart attacks a lot. I did think that. I don't really know why. I also thought that like, I was really scared I was never going to be the same again. And I was scared that like, I totally fucked up my brain and like, it was just going to be like that for the rest of my life. And that was like really, really hard. So I wanted to start going to see more brain people. And I went to this place in Langley. <laughs> I don't know what the hell it's called, um, but they do. I think it's kind of like neurofeedback, which people are doing now. And I basically just went in and they put this little like, it's kind of like these headphones, but less. And they had little things that stuck around my head. And I just, I don't remember. I watched a movie or it might've been a little bit interactive picked things and then they basically print out a sheet and I just it was kind of like an odd thing so I, I guess I get like weird vibes out of places that aren't professional like when I do things and like things I like it to be like high end top of the line like good quality I go in this place and it's kind of like just like these rooms and I go in it's just this just looks like a home computer desk with like a computer and it's just like it wasn't set up fancy so for like a brain neuro place that seemed weird to me I was like it's like, just like this dude's like pretty much in his basement, like going to plug me into his computer. I'm like, what the fuck's going on? Like, it seemed odd. They only had two rooms. It was just that room it was like one desk against the wall and his there. And he just like, the old guy just sat there and like watched me for like 30 minutes. I was like, okay. And then like, I go in the other room and then the lady talks to me and prints out a sheet. And she's like, yeah, like this is kind of your stuff. And the only thing I remember her saying is, yeah, you've definitely got brain damage from like alcohol and stuff. And I was like, holy fuck. I'm like freaking out. But I was actually happy about it because I knew I was like, all right, like that's something. Like at least she said something's fucking wrong instead of everybody else saying it's fine. So it was kind of like relieving in a sense, but I'd like to go back and try it again at the same place just because it was weird. And I wonder if anything's different, but um, that was that was like an odd experience. I've, I just felt weird in there, but... I never end up going back. I don't think I really ever saw any other brain people. 
then my naturopath told me to go see his mom, who's an energy reader. Cause I, I was feeling really lost and like, not just, I didn't like in the unknown, I didn't know what was going on, even though things were getting better. It was so slow that it just still seemed like, is this even working? So I went to see her downtown for, um, an energy reading and I'd never done anything like that before. I mean, I've talked about this experience already a couple of times in other episodes, so I'll just do it really quick. But yeah, uh, went in there. It was, she just basically tells you, or you'll know everything I'm going to tell you. That's pretty much it. Lay down, does your thing, get up. And it was wild. The stuff she said, and a lot of the stuff she said was like, you're looking, you need something to hold on to. You're a truth seeker. And that's kind of what exactly I was experiencing. And she said, there's other things I needed to fix, like within my family and certain things. And so it was cool because it really kind of opened the door to me to believe that kind of stuff. So yeah, leaving there was, was really good. That was probably one of the best things that I had experienced beyond that. It was just like, it was just a really slow healing process. I took time. Like I didn't really work for a year. I started to read, spend more time outside in nature. And every day I kind of pushed a little bit harder if I could. I mean, a lot of days there might've been some pulling like from you and other people, right? Which, which was good. Um, you know, you, you know, it is a fight on your own, but I don't think you can always do it on your own either. Right. You know, there'd be days where like, I would rather fucking die than get out of bed where you drag me out. We go to the gym or even if we just went for a walk, right. Whatever it was that I think that's super helpful. And like, I try and be there for people to do that now because I don't think I could have done it by myself fully. (laughs) So yeah. And like every day I just tried to push further. Like I explained that time when I made it, you know, trying to get the stop sign was like the death of me. And like, that seems insane to people to think like, why couldn't you just walk down your fucking road to the stop sign? Well, I don't know, but I thought I was going to be fucked. So (laughs) then it would be like, I would get to the end of the road uh, because the stop sign was actually like another middle block. So I'd get to the other roads. Then I would walk down there and I'd come back. I mean, that doesn't take very long, but then the big one for me was going around the block. So like I got there, but then once I got there, there was no, like, it seemed, I don't know why it was so weird to me because once I got to that corner, it was like, there's, you're going back either way. Yeah. I'm like, I'm going back either way. I can't just turn around and like run quickly home or whatever. And like, I would just slowly try and go further each day pushing that. And then it got to the point where I could kind of go to the gym and run and do those things. The reading was good. I would also actually, a lot of stuff I couldn't read too, because I was so freaked out and attached. I had this book called the brain's way of healing. And I would read that and start hearing about all these diseases and shit. And I'd be so fucking scared because I'd be reading about like cancer, not cancer, but it would be, I don't know, like schizophrenia and like other shit. And I would be start freaking out. And if I read that in a book for like two days after, I would think I'm going to get it. Mm-hmm. So a lot of, I would have to read more basic books, just like some of them were like the monk who sold his Ferrari stuff that were a little bit more like, I don't know, maybe broader. Yeah. Broader, maybe more like easy read a little bit more like kind of, that one's a little bit spiritual, but kind of just like more stories and not like database, like really scientific books. Yeah. So that stuff was good. Yeah. Oh, and I guess I didn't drink for a whole year. That would be a good point too. I was sober for that entire year after I would, I was scared of alcohol at that point. Like I couldn't even drink it. I would, and I would be mad at people too. Like I would see people drinking. I was like, you're a fucking idiot. You're going to die. And all this shit. I would relate like everything that happened to me to other people. And it would make me mad a lot of times too, which I've seen in other people as well recently that I've been 
helping out. So I think that's a big thing though. I mean, that was a big thing for me too on a different level, but also a big thing for me just in like a spiritual sense. Like if I'm trying to grow in any Mm -hmm. way as a human, then it's kind of like cut alcohol. Yeah. Um, And I think there's different factors to that as well for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're poisoning yourself with this substance, but it's also everything else. Like during your, during like when you're drunk, it confuses the fuck out of your emotions. Mm -hmm. And when you wake up sober the next day, you're probably many times waking up in like kind of a weird, like an emotional state that you otherwise wouldn't be if you were sober. And a big thing is like the people that you're around, Mm -hmm. you know, like very different. Yeah. uh, For, for both of us Mm -hmm. transitioning out of that partying phase. Um, Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's just one of those things. You just kind of like have to do that for yourself sometimes. Yeah. And I, and I think that's, that brings up a good point of where it was hard for me to think about what was going to happen next because I thought like I was kind of giving up a bit of that, that life and integrating in new things. So it was really hard for me. Like when you do something for 20 something years, like you drink and you party and all this shit and you're having fun. And like, that was my life for a long time. It's hard to just accept that you need to change that. Like with, and the business with, with ride building trucks and all this kind of shit, the guys at the shop, they drank all the time. And like, that's just what everybody did that I was kind of around. So it was hard for me to like, I don't know. I just felt like I was doing something wrong or even letting those people down sometimes like, man, like just come have fun with us again and all this shit. And it was hard for me to be able to explain, like, I just can't do that. So what would be advice for somebody who might be in the same spot? I, I mean, I was, I, I gave advice on this recently, but I can't remember I've what heard, I said I've heard to what him. you said before. I mean, one thing is like, are they actually your friends? Like I hate, cause I've heard fucking parents say that. So I hate fucking saying that, but it's, it's kind of like, uh, you're, you're out. I, I don't know. Like you're sitting there and your friends are coming over all the time and they're just drinking with you and they, they're dragging you out to parties and stuff. Mm-hmm. But yet that's not what you need right now. No. So for them to continue doing that, you know, first of all, it's good to maybe try to explain to them, Mm -hmm. but it's also just like, you got to kind of just figure out who your friends are in a way or address that with your friends. Yeah. That can take a long time as well. I mean, well, the whole process takes a long time. So, but I think it's just knowing that internally where it's like, you don't, you're not doing the wrong thing no. by not drinking No, just because your friends want to drink. Like you have to, yeah, you have to do what, what you need. And I also don't think you have to fully give those, f- those friendships up. Like I know people, you, you know, I, I have people who have friends who haven't drank for like years. They've been sober for five years, but they still come out and like have fun and do that stuff. But you also have to put the foot down for yourself. You can't just like give in every time these people tell you that, you know, you have to have a drink, whatever you can say, Hey man, like I'm happy to come hang out and do whatever, but I'm just, I don't need to drink. Like it's all good. It takes a long time to access, to be able to have fun in the same way though, because I've also been places where I haven't drank and people thought I was drunk, Mm -hmm. but getting to that point takes a while. And I think that's where you're just in there acting like an idiot. (laughs) Yeah. Like at festivals and stuff, like I did do a Pemby fest fully sober on the, on the last one. And I remember on the last night, one of the girls was like, how are you guys getting home? Blah, blah, blah. Like, are you staying tonight? I was like, no, I'm driving. She's like, but you're fucked up. Like you can't drive. I'm like, man, I'm good. Like I haven't drinking at all. And it was awesome. So, I mean, that's an easy scenario to kind of let loose in, in my opinion, but 
I think for some people it's important to know because I know people that legitimately just aren't strong enough, or at least they think they're not strong enough sometimes mm-hmm. to be around that scenario. Like even to be a, like for like, especially for people that struggle with addiction, Yeah, you know, being around someone who's drinking or being around someone who's smoking or whatever it is that you're trying to get away from. So that, you know, I mean, obviously I did isolate myself, myself from it for a, a long time. Like the most of that year I would like, I did isolate myself from it. I didn't like being around it, mm-hmm. but I've never considered myself to have an addictive personality. So I definitely don't really know what that feels like, but I can imagine like during that. You, for, well, you're addicted to sugar. Yeah. So I was, so you can imagine what it might be like with a substance. Yeah. Just the crave kind of thing. Maybe. I don't know. I, I just think, I, I don't know if that's different. I, I Maybe. I, but I think for me, the reason that I never really could become addicted to like alcohol or drugs because the way they, they made me feel so bad. Like I couldn't mm-hmm. do it again the next day. Whereas like people who become addicted, like they'll just do it again right away. So I don't know, but, but I don't really know um, exactly why, but I think like the isolation, I mean, you probably just have to do that for a while. And the friend thing too, I think uh, that's been, a, that's been hard for me. You give up some friendships and you also, I guess the other thing is like, I just, it's a different time back then. Like you're spending all your time. I wasn't, I never really spent time alone. It's like, you'd go to work, you're with people. Then you'd want to go like for drinks with your friends. And it's like, you're always social and it never gives you that time to work on yourself, which like, which now I look as a normal thing, Mm -hmm. but I forget how like nobody does that really take time to do their own things and just be alone. So it kind of forces you to do that a little bit too. You don't really need to be with people all the time. You really have to like just be with yourself and figure your own shit out. So, yeah. And I I think another thing that I've kind of, a couple things that I've kind of come to realize is that, yeah, like earlier on in my journey, for sure, you just kind of have to realize that for me, I I realized it earlier in high school when I was, I was just had different interests. Mm -hmm. I wanted to grow. I wanted to stay home and be with myself and be with nature and read books and Mm -hmm. and do that to like start businesses and stuff and other things that people my age weren't interested in. So I kind of got used to used to make more used to it at an earlier age of just knowing that sometimes you just have to come to terms with that, with you and that friend that Mm -hmm. might not, you know, be like, yeah. I, I still love all my, all my friends and I'm still here for everybody. But this last round and, and the stuff that I went through recently, I started to think about it a kind of a different perspective is that in order f- to be the best friend you can be, whether, you know, it's a friend of yours or whether it's you being a friend to somebody else, mm-hmm. you have to put in the self work. Yeah. So if there's a friend that is kind of not understanding and making it hard for you, that's like they, in order for them to be a better friend to you, they mm-hmm. need to go home and do some self work. Yeah. You can't really tell them that, but what you can do is you can go home and do self work for yourself mm-hmm. so that you can be there in the future for your friends so that yeah. you can be a better friend to your friends. Mm-hmm. So I think that to me, that was a good, a good way of thinking of it. Mm-hmm. All the things that you went through, cause you said it was a very slow, gradual process. Mm-hmm. So you started with diet and then you started moving like a little bit of movement, walking. And yeah. Well, I mean, you really started with normal doc, like, like family doctor. Yeah. And yeah. then you started with naturopath and doing some tests mm-hmm. and whatnot. And then you started, you know, small diet changes mm-hmm. and then you started candida, which is a harder diet change. Yeah. 
And then you got into like just getting out and moving a bit and then eventually fitness, going to mm-hmm. the gym. Mm-hmm. And then you got into more of a spiritual side and like, a, you know, finding a purpose for your life. Yeah. And uh, and then I know you've introduced many, many things mm-hmm. after that you've introduced, which we'll get into. Mm-hmm. But I'm just curious, like, you've, I mean, you've introduced breath work, you've introduced... Um, like another extreme diet there. Another extreme diet stuff, even more extreme fitness stuff. So really yeah. capitalizing on the things that you know work for you. Mm-hmm. But through all that, do you think, because you said it was a gradual process, if someone's feeling really stuck and really like, I know for me, I like to rip it like a Band-Aid and just yeah, get it yeah. done. So do you think if you did some of these things more, like tried more things at, at earlier on that it would have helped you? Yeah. Like oh, do, 100%. do it faster and get better, feel better faster. Oh yeah. I always think about it now. Like if I knew what I did back then, I think in like a couple months, I could have felt as good as I did in, in a year. Okay. Um, for sure. Yeah. I would say pro yeah. Like, yeah, I do think that I think in like two to three months, I could have felt as good as I did in a, in a year, but so what would be the actions that you would have taken? Like what would have been the specific how, healings and how frequent and all that? I mean, three months, you're kind of just blasting shit in. I mean, I feel like maybe the physical stuff would have taken a bit because like obviously it takes a while to build physically, but, um, I would have go, I would have done just like full Gerson therapy out of the bat. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, which is for you, those who don't know what it is, it's, um, it's basically an accelerated nutritional approach to healing. So there's, they've basically, it's a whole food plant-based diet. There's supplements, there's juicing, and there's coffee enemas. So we'll probably, I mean. You're going to do something with Nicolette. Yeah, I'm going to have an episode that I've trained under um, Nicolette and she does wild stuff. She's done TED Talks. She's been in uh, China teaching 300 doctors. They're opening stuff over there. Like she's doing a lot and she'll be able to explain like fully to get a a better idea. But we'll blink her website in here too. Yeah, she like. Yeah, doing that because my diet changes were so slow. Like even by the end of the year, I wasn't eating anywhere near to that. Yeah, I think that would have just like blasted all the shit out of my system that took so long to get out. Like I wasn't really doing anything to like detoxify. Mm-hmm. I was just okay cutting dairy like for two months. It took me two months to cut dairy. Like that's not really fucking shit. So I would have done that, but I don't know how fast I would have been able to get up off my feet and like moving again. Right. Cause I was just yeah. walking for a long time and then like the running, you know, then I started to go to the gym and like maybe I'd run for five minutes and then, you know, it got longer, but I don't know how fast I would have come back. I would have done that. The energy healings. Uh, I think it would have come faster with the diet. I, I do too. Like I just, after like a month of cursing, you'd probably be like, okay, I can fucking maybe go for a five minute run now. I would think so. And, and it would have helped a lot mentally mm-hmm. too. To um, get yourself to do that. Yeah. It would help clear that out a lot. And then the energy readings helped a lot with kind of like clarity and purpose and figuring out like other things in my life that maybe, you know, aren't just food and stuff like family jobs, like what else is stressing me out. And honestly, my job, it's it's a weird thing because going through this, another thing that helped me stay forging forwards was having something to live for. And for me at the time, that was my business. And it was, you know, if I think about it now, it was, I just had all these things. Like we would talk and dream up all these ideas of all this crazy shit we wanted to do. And I wasn't ready to give that up yet. You know, like I wanted to come back and like 
you know, in my eyes, the business was just getting started, which it was. And I was like, fuck, like, I want to do this and like, see where it goes. I want to go travel and do crazy shit and have fun and ride dirt bikes and climb mountains and like do the shit we like. I want to live for my family, man, and all that kind of stuff. So I had things that I really wanted to live for. But the funny part about that is, is the business aspect was a big part of that. But it was also a big part that put me in that position. And after all this happened, I stopped caring as much about that business, but I held on to it for so long. And that was one of the big things that had added to my stressors. I think if I would have given that up, it might've helped me heal faster, but I don't know. And I haven't fully given it up, but I've come to terms with like what it is, what I can do with it. I don't know. Like I've learned a lot going through that. So I don't really know how that would have played, but that was a big part of it. Right. I was holding on to a lot of stuff still like emotionally, I guess, Mm -hmm. and, and energy wise. So I don't know. It's hard to say how I could have cracked that open back then, but I think for the, for the physical and like the diet and stuff, it would have came fast, but the emotional and spiritual stuff, I don't really know how much you can speed that up. I guess, I guess is what I'm thinking. Okay. And like the, like going to see an energy reader, like, I don't know. I mean, I, I basically see one once a year kind of thing. I see her once a year, maybe once every, maybe twice a year. Like, I don't think if I went th- three times in three months, it would have made that much of a difference. Yeah, true. Right. True. Um, that's kind of what I think, uh, but maybe not. It, maybe if you're physical and things are keeping up that fast and you're mentally getting better and you're and, thinking and, and progressing th- so much that when you go back, there's new things that have come up that, yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I find that because like I wrote a post on this actually was about circling through your health team because mm-hmm. things change. They're oh, yeah. constantly changing. So like, I don't know what had a massive impact a month ago mm-hmm. might not now. And what didn't work in the past might work now mm-hmm. or might have more impact now. Yeah. So yeah. Like if you were doing, the diet, the fitness, mm-hmm. the breath work, mm-hmm. um, the energy reading. and Yeah, just- the breath work would have been big, actually. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it definitely would have sped it up for sure. And, like, some of the stuff you can only tell, like, at the times maybe, too. Like, yeah. W- like, when you need to go more. I just want people to know that... It, w- it would make a big deal. Yeah, that you don't, you don't have to, like... You don't have to suffer for so long no, is what I want no. people to know because yeah. I see people doing that. And, and if, yeah, sure. I, I mean, I guess if you really want to gradually mm-hmm. lay it out over years of your life, but. Uh, well, the other thing, I mean, it's tough. I look at the way other people live regularly and I, I can't, I can't imagine how they would heal. Um, because when I went through this, I had, you know, the business was sort of floating me. Like Derek was still working. I was taking money out of that. I didn't have to go to work, Mm -hmm. but I was still getting money. And I had like a living situation that wasn't the best, but it was also pretty much paid for. Yeah. Sort of. But I mean, the money was going into the house, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But like, I wasn't, I just had that freedom to be able to sit there and do all those things. If I would have had to go to work every day or had family members like not being okay with the the route I was taking saying I need to go to work. Like I never had to deal with family telling me I was 
doing it wrong or shouldn't be taking that approach or you just need to go to the hospital or that kind of thing. Right. I couldn't imagine trying to do it like, like that. So I don't, my advice would be on some of that is like, you, I don't like just give it up. I don't know. Like you'd almost have to give up everything you're doing and quit your fucking job and take like two months and just, you know, if you don't have money, get a fucking credit card or credit line and just take those, that time for yourself. Because if you don't, I think it just counters enough that it doesn't really work that well. Yeah. That's, that's, there's a threshold. And if you don't, for example, if you're super fucked and you see, let's say a, a psychotherapist once per month, well, you're barely playing catch up. Yeah. You're barely playing catch up because it's like, I don't know. I think of it like a pond and you have all these little streams coming into the pond and you know, it's, it can be this like toxic shit coming mm-hmm. into this pond constantly. So you go to a therapist and you're just kind of like once a month. Mm-hmm. So like, let's say you're sitting there with a shovel scooping, like a bucket scooping shit out of the, out, scooping shit out of the pond to like yeah. clear all the toxins out. Well, there's still, the streams are still coming in. Mm-hmm. You got to, you got to fucking heal each one at the root. Yeah. Because yeah, if you, and if you don't keep up, you're never going to empty the pond. No, you got to, that's why if you go all in at once, it's the equivalent of coming in there with like, I don't know, a fucking excavator, a giant ass bucket and just taking the whole thing out at once and just get it over with. So yeah, you can clear it out and then you, then you can kind of just keep it stable uh, by regular, maybe less regular visits and things. Yeah, exactly. So like when I healed, it was almost everything was weekly. I had daily and weekly practices. Mm-hmm. There was no monthly, there yeah. was no, bi- maybe some things bi-weekly, yeah. but everything's daily, weekly like mm-hmm. really condensed and for a month at least. And then bi-weekly after that for a couple months and then monthly after that mm-hmm. three months later. So, so I mean, I, I'm the same way. I would recommend get a fucking credit card yeah. and don't be too proud. You know, talk to someone who might understand, even if they don't do it for yourself, yeah. you know, go to your parents. If they really, you know, I don't know, go to anyone, take a, take a fucking loan out, yeah. talk to your boss and be just open human to human. Be like, look, I'm fucking suffering mm-hmm. um, and see if you can see if they'll help you. I mean, a lot of jobs are actually responsible to get you help Mm -hmm. if if you need it in that way. Oh, I was going to say how much, like I like this year, I finally feel like I'm ahead of like, I don't really know my, my shit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like I find, and, and I'm seeing how much I've been in the past six months, I've been doing like a lot of, of shit for myself. Uh, I've been working with a life coach, which he is a bit of like a psychology background, like from his dad and stuff. So we've been doing like almost weekly meetings and stuff like that and tons of exercises. And then I've been eating pretty much Gerson for the past six months. I haven't had a drink for three months. I'm like every morning doing yoga, even if it's just for 15 minutes and then meditating for maybe 10 or 20 or, or whatever, you know, nothing extreme, but it helps. I've, I've just have tons of little habits where like from eight at eight at night till eight in the morning, my phone's on do not disturb. I don't use it. Just like giving yourself that time. And like the past six months, I honestly think I've grown more than I have in my entire life. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's been crazy. And just like by putting that stuff in place and doing it, 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 it works and, and you do grow really fast. So yeah, you just really have to dive in and you'll, you, I think you'll be amazed how fast things will happen and things will change. After you did started getting back into fitness and you went to energy reading and whatnot, kind of where did you take it from there? Um, 
I honestly didn't do a lot more the rest of that year because I kind of had like my one year fucked upness that was really bad and I kind of like did all that stuff and then I, I stayed with the naturopath like almost all year I would see him and do other tests like heavy metal stuff we did I did a lot of things through him and I saw Caroline the energy reader once that year and then it was just slow man like I stayed on with him on the diet stuff and like that took months. Like by the time I was doing the candida thing, it was like halfway through that year, mm-hmm. I think. So it, it was slow. And like, I didn't introduce breath work or anything for like a couple of years after that. So I, I did that year and I was getting g- good enough by the end of the year that I was just, just kept rolling with it. I wasn't doing anything crazy. And then I don't really know what switched, but I kept going after, after that same shit. And I started to drink again and I've gone like the back and forth a couple times where like, okay, I feel pretty decent. Like I can drink again and I would start drinking and then I would get feel bad again. And then I would get back on the health train or whatever I thought was healthy. I started seeing you sent me the link to Ed's thing for breath work Mm -hmm. from someone else. And I went and did some one-on-one sessions and it's conscious connected breathing. So you, you lay on a table and he will guide you're breathing. And basically what happens is you, you fully, you breathe in, you inhale and exhale with no pauses. So it's just like fully connected and you just start to deepen it. And it basically, you get into a relaxed state and you, it alters your brain state and it allows you to like access and heal through older traumas and things like that. So I had like just really profound experiences with that. And we'll do an episode explaining. Yeah, like those I, I, I'm going to have uh, one of the breathwork guys come in and do oh, an yeah. episode as well. So there'll be more information on that. I, it's one of the harder ones for me to explain how it all works. So I start. I was enjoying that. And I would just feel like so calm and grounded after. It really helped a lot with my like with anxiety and stress and stuff. So that was like I did that weekly for a long time, and then I started going to some of the group ones. So we did like. Uh, a retreat up in Pemberton that you came to, we did for three days. And then I've been to two of the men's retreats that are up in the Louette Lake on, on some native land. And we do sweat lodges yeah, and stuff some up other there. Stuff like that. Cold so, plunges has been a big one, I think for both of us as well. Yeah. Like a cold shower stuff. And actually like a lot came from my natural path too. Like he told me to do those for a long time. And I guess that's the other thing about like natural paths and holistic people. Like, he's not just like a diet person who talks to you. I mean, I feel like maybe it seemed like that so far where like, he just tells me about change your dairy and shit. He gives you lots of other things. Like he gave me some supplements and then some natural calming things that I used and, and then daily practices to do that, like get up and stretch and try a cold shower and do these things. But like, I mean, a lot of them I didn't do for a long time, but then as you you know, you progress, you come back and realize, okay, like these work. Um, <laughs> he's not is, just fucking with you. But at the time, the problem was I was still so messed up. Like for me to get into a cold shower, it instantly put me into a shock of panic. Yeah. Whereas now it gives me the opposite effect. If I get stressed out and I hop in a cold shower, it's gone. Yeah. So it's just, but it takes time to get there. And also, you know, listen to your body. Like if you're going to jump in every morning and it's a panic, it's probably not good. That's just going to be worse for you. So you'll know. I, I really just kind of played that out for like two years, the natural past stuff. And then the past year and a half, we really like the past year I've really dug in and, and tried other things. I took another leave 
I went back and, and was with Ride for a year or two, two years probably. And then I've kind of circled back through that and realized, you know, I not that I don't care about it, but I care more about doing stuff like this and be able to help other people and keep diving into myself to learn more and like see what's really out there in life. And the past year has been huge. Like we did the breath work. I did a training under Nicolette for three months, learning about the Gerson therapy. I did would also just been doing lots of yoga. Um, the, the, uh, life coach thing was big. I feel like I've just done so many random little workshops. I can't even remember. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's been a lot, but I don't know. It's pretty much it. Yeah. One of my questions was looking back on, on my journey, I wish I could have told myself, well, I feel like I kind of knew this just because I, I've had a spiritual side of me from a young age, but what exciting things have come into your life after? Cause the healing process can be very scary. Yeah. So what's like, how is it being good? And, and, and like, instead of scary, because I didn't, you know, yeah, it was scary at first, but after you start moving through it, things get better and get better and get better and get to the point where your life ends up in exciting places, mm-hmm. much more exciting than they might've been prior or otherwise. And I've heard crazy stories from people becoming, you know, crazy healers themselves. And I mean, not yeah. just that, like, but like people getting into all sorts of new businesses or like new careers or, or, or just, just generally being the person that they want to be or whoever. So what, what was exciting for you on um, the other side of healing that I think people the, could look forward to? I think the exciting stuff finally came now in in the past, like six months, maybe, I think you you get these tools that let you just live a better life. I mean, I was so consumed by stress and all these other things. I wasn't even really like conscious of how I was feeling or what I was doing. I mean, I was, but I didn't know how to like understand my feelings or what I really wanted. I just kept, you know, pushing and pushing and pushing. And I would try so hard to make like anything happen a, a lot. That was big for me. I would like, if anything like went wrong or I was trying to do something, I would like try and plow through every fucking barrier, even though it may have been telling me like, you just shouldn't be doing this. Mm -hmm. Um, so now that I have these tools and I've, I, and you know, you can use them and, and I think, I don't know, it allows you to understand life better and like where you might be truly wanting to go and listening to yourself because it sounds very nice because (laughs) at the end of the day, like I think that's what anxiety is trying to tell you. You know, it's a, it's, a, I try to see it as something that's guiding you, you know, I mean, yeah, there's times where you have to like push through because like, you know, if you just have social anxiety, like you can't just sit inside by yourself all day. Cause obviously, you know, so there's like a, a spot for that. But now like what it's led me to is like just accepting how things are, especially like I would stress out a lot about, about ride and uh, my, my other business about things that aren't going properly or like it would consume my whole day. Whereas now I can just let it be and, and do that. And it's allowed me to now realize that I actually would rather be talking about this stuff with people and sharing my experiences and allowing other people to do the same thing. And it's just been exciting to come do these things and like feel comfortable to do that. 
and just like, I don't know, man, like I just feel really good every day now. <laughs> like, I don't know. I think like that's the biggest difference. It's just how you, how you feel, how your mind feels. Like even knowing you're maybe eating some of those other foods or doing these things and you feel okay. Like my head was so foggy and like my brain and like, I just feel so clear now. And it's like, even if I start to eat bad for a couple of days or like knock off my things, I can feel like the fog and like kind of thought fuckery coming back a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I can right away, I'm like, man, like this is crazy. So keeping that, like, I just feel good. Like I'm truly, I'm definitely like a happier person. I used to be super, um, you know, angry and agitated as well. And that comes along with like all the, the food and the things that I was having problems with. But yeah, I, I just think like, honestly, everything gets better. I can't think of anything that's gotten worse. Yeah. Um, every aspect of your life will get better, you know, from business, you know, hanging out with your friends, your family, you know, and, and being able to just be alone and have that time. You'll realize how valuable that is too. like literally every aspect of everything is is better in the end. Yeah, I would say. Yeah. Some things from my perspective that I see that are exciting. That's that's the shift, like seeing mm-hmm. the shift from not only who you are were before, but like the every like the mental illness and everything you went through and the fear of kind of how to get out of it mm-hmm. compared to now and mm-hmm. the things that that has laid out for you on your path. You know, your business is doing better, doing and co- like doing a pivot into things that I think are extremely exciting mm-hmm. financially for financial yeah. growth. You know, you're running full marathons oh yeah i forgot and, about that stuff <laughs> and, and, and you've or like a half iron man i don't know what whatever yeah. it is <laughs> but yeah like that's something that's crazy because mm-hmm. like knowing you growing up and and for your whole life you've never really been into fitness no like to any degree really no so like i mean well like playing hockey and stuff but after that i didn't just, even want to do it though yeah it's just <laughs> like whereas like i used to always want to work out and stuff and that was just a non-interest to you mm-hmm. completely so that's like that's huge and you're excited having fun with it. I mean, you're, you've you've started Mental Millennials and, and yeah. getting that going and sharing that. I mean, that's exciting. You have yeah. a bunch of exciting people booked. The amount of new friends that you've made, mm-hmm. um, the new connections and things. Just, I, I just feel like all of it is all of it is super positive, mm-hmm. and it's put you on a on a super cool positive path. Yeah. Um, and I just want people to know that there's awesome shit waiting for them on the <laughs> yeah. other side of all this, and they can use that too. Like. Yeah, it's scary, but life's going to be fucking awesome when, when you get through it. Yeah. So start your healing, man. Like if you can make those pushes through that stuff and get through it, like on the other side, it's just like, you feel like you can do anything almost, you know, it's just like, okay, if you go through that crazy shit and then now you're like a fuck, like I'm going to start a business or do whatever. It's like, you're just ready to rock and you can do literally anything that you want to do. Yeah. Um, There's not going to be anything that's holding you back. And you'll have all the tools to literally do whatever the hell it is you want. Yeah, when anything hard hits you again in life, and you know who got, you know who to go to see if you need a help with it, if you can't figure it out yourself or whatever it is. And yeah, I think the friend thing is huge too. Like, and when, like, I guess like my old party friends and stuff, you you just you see them all the time. Like every day, you go get drinks, and you're on the weekend, you go out. The friends that I've made now, going to like the men's retreats and things like that. You go and you're with those guys for three days and it feels like you've known them for like 30 years when Mm -hmm. you leave that place because 
when you go out and you're partying and you're talking to your friends, you're like, oh yeah, like I can't believe this guy and that girlfriend and like whatever. It's just this bullshit drama that everybody talks about. You don't fucking talk about that shit at men's retreats or any retreat. You go and you're talking about your life and like what matters to you, what matters to everybody else and why you're there. And you know, if you think you're going to die, why do you want to live? Like that's the shit that comes up. It's not, nobody wants to hear about your fucking buddy's girlfriend who cheated on them or whatever the fuck it was. Right. So even those guys like, yeah, I don't see them regularly, but we, we like when we talk or we'll have a phone call or you'll go for lunch, like maybe once every six months, like it's still a really valuable relationship. And like, you can get a lot out of that stuff, right? Like I have lots of valuable relationships. Doesn't mean you have to see them like every day. So it's kind of changed the way that my relationships are and stuff too, like what you might formerly have thought of them as. Yeah. And I think maybe that's, I think in Western society, it's, it's a thing that just kind of comes with time. I feel like high school and shit, you're with everybody all the time. And then all of a sudden you're not. So then Mm -hmm. you keep kind of clinging to that in a way, like you keep wanting to see each other whenever you can and all that stuff. But then as you level up and become more aware and more conscious Mm -hmm. and you're able to sit with yourself and be Mm -hmm. okay with yourself, then you get into friend groups like that where Mm -hmm. you're, you're okay to see, and I would way rather do that personally, like sit and then just be with someone for a while and talk about deep things and mm-hmm. then be okay on your own for a little bit. And I mean, it's not to say that you don't see some people quite a bit. No. I mean, you see a lot of your friends a lot too. So yeah, I feel well, like, some of them. yeah, I, I'm like now too, I feel like I can never find enough time to be alone. Yeah. Like, I feel like I'm always wanting to, like, back in the day, I'd be like, oh, fuck. Like, you know, you always want to, like, go out and you're trying to do something. And now I'm always like, I'm just trying to get home to be by myself to do my own shit. And, like, <laughs> that's like, I constantly feel that way. It's like, I enjoy it a lot now. And I don't know. So it's definitely like a bit, it's a shift in all aspects, too, I think. But I mean, a lot of my stuff comes up in, like, other episodes as well right so a lot of the stuff i kind of like fuck i've already talked about this like two times yeah you'll get to hear a lot of other things coming up i probably won't really do well i won't really i'm not gonna do another of my story but um yeah you'll hear it come up and if you have questions about any of it as well you can reach out i'm happy to meet up or talk about anything and yeah i guess what we talked about the last one we can do a list of the practitioners and yeah, we're going to, yeah, next episode, we'll do a list of practitioners with our experiences with mm-hmm. them so people can get a feel for what we've tried and how, if it might work for them or if they're interested in it at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Sweet. Cool. Okay. Well, we're out of here. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. <laughs>